I tell you, that's how it is on Mother's Day. I get so worked up about Mother's Day, I can't even function. Here I am running late. I forgot we had church this morning. I just enjoyed running around, seeing everybody. And, and then somebody said, we're having church this morning, right? And I said, yeah, maybe we should. So, uh, happy Mother's Day, moms. And all of you moms that are out there uh, watching online, we want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. We're always grateful for our online crowd. Grateful for our visitors. Some of you have come uh, to partake in the celebration, and that's great. 
Uh, we don't want to lose sight of the real reason that we come together, though. It's not for moms, although we, we love our moms, our wives, uh, the mothers of our children. And uh, we're going to have some fun with the moms a little later on in the service, as we traditionally do. So um, we're also going to judge hats. Look around at the hats. And uh, some of our gals, uh, they, they, they wore funny hats, humorous hats. Some of them really went all out to... Uh, to wear hats that are meaningful or beautiful. So, yeah, we should have done this at the beginning of May and served mint juleps to all of the, the ladies with hats, probably. But, uh, no, we don't serve mint juleps here at Christ's Church. But we hope you're here to worship God. That's the, that's the, biggest reason that we're here and so we're glad to see all of you and uh, we're going to worship God uh, let's see announcements what do I have I almost forgot about the announcements y'all y'all, ladies with your hats you just threw me into a state of chaos I don't even know what I'm doing up here um uh, Little Sprouts teachers, your lessons are in the office on the counter. Please pick those up today. And, and also, don't forget to always bring your lessons back. I'm missing some recent lessons from Little Sprouts teachers. So we need to have those back. Uh, so be sure and do that. And there's a sign-up sheet for church softball. If, if you're, you've been thinking you're going to play this year, go ahead and sign the sign-up sheet on the table over here. That'll give uh, Latasha an idea of how many we have. We'd appreciate that. I think everything else uh, is self-explanatory. Christian's going to come up and uh, make an announcement or two about the kids. He hasn't earned that. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. All right, um, so the car wash is going to be on the May 29th. I know I've said that for the last couple weeks, but I want to get it into your guys' brains so you guys know about it. <laughs> Unless it snows. Uh, yeah, probably. We'll probably put it back a little bit. Um, we're looking for service projects this summer um, for people around the area, people in the community, so we can help share uh, Christ with the community. Um, so if you have any information about that, please uh, see me after service or uh, contact me after service. You could call the church as well. Um, we're looking for sports calendars for the students so that we as a congregation can go out and support our um, young people in their sporting events. And lastly, we have a new addition to kind of our fundraiser for CIY. I know most of you, the people in the balconies can't really see it, but there is a wall back here that is now full of envelopes, right? So now you can take one of those envelopes, put the money, uh, the actual dollar donation that it has on the envelopes, put that in the envelope, and then put it into the uh, offering basket. 
and then we will receive that money for the CIY donations. Um, I know that there's that wall back there with the tags, the prayer tags that have money announcement or have money kind of donations on it. We're not using that for donations anymore. We're using that solely for the purpose of prayer for the people that go to CIY so that we can have prayer and not really seem like we're asking for money for prayers. No, we're asking you to pray for the kids for CIY individually. So there is a new um, donation wall. Thank you guys. That was a pretty good set of announcements, wasn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, let's get ready to worship. Let's go to the Lord and, and acknowledge him. Almighty God in heaven, we're so grateful to you for your kindness and your generosity. Lord, you minister to us and you supply us with every need and we overlook acknowledging you in, in so many of those situations. And God, we just want to offer our gratitude to you. Not only with the, the daily bread that you supply and in all of our physical needs, but with the greatest need that we had, which was your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to, to always go forth with an attitude of thanksgiving. Lord, as we continue in worship, we want to praise your holy name, God. We, we want to give you the due that is yours. And so, Father, we just pray that you bless this time now as we offer these songs up to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. God's son. 
time. And howdy time. Shake hands with folks you haven't greeted this morning.
find your way back.
4 through 11. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, give, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. All of you 
I'm going to share a little bit of a short story about a hardworking mom, which she learned well from the Lord. Shirley's hands weren't pretty at all. They were calloused and wrinkled. She had worked hard for most of her 60 years. Raising three energetic children had taken its toll, as had her hands-on responsibility in the family trucking business. But Shirley's hands were not too weary to serve the Lord. Her hands gladly went to work for the body of Christ. When Shirley was asked one Friday to bake bread for Sunday celebration of the Lord's Supper, those same hands went to work willingly. The, month, the next month, when the pastor asked if she would prepare the elements for communion, she excitedly agreed. With joy, she poured the grape juice and broke up her homemade loaf into bite-sized morsels. In fact, Shirley asked if she could serve the Lord in that special way from then on. For years thereafter, <clears throat> Shirley's beautiful hands set the table for God's people. It was obvious she had firmly grasped what Jesus had modeled, humbly laying down her life by giving what she had to offer for the sake of Christ's church. What is it that the Lord would like your hands to do for the body of Christ? Your hands don't need to be beautiful. They just need to be available. Just like Jesus' hands were available for us, even to hanging on the cross. Last week, Dale said, define your purpose. Jesus defined his purpose through his death so that you could live. <clears throat> Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Today, we're going to go in prayer before we partake. And I don't want you to fold your hands. I want you to open them as a gesture of availability. Confess to the Lord ways that you've held back serving him in his church. Determine to use the gifts that he's given you to minister to others. Jesus never held back. Should we? Do we? We're here to honor mothers, but more than anything, we should be here to honor Jesus Christ who gave it all for us. Let's pray. Father God, we stand in awe of who you are. We stand in awe that you would die for us. And our only hope was you. Our only hope for eternity is you. And we thank you. We thank you that you have breathed life, new life into each one of us that have decided to accept your gift of salvation. And Lord, as we come to this time, let us all remember what you've done for us and help us not to do less for our fellow man. We just praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, whenever you eat this, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that's been shed for you. Whenever you drink it, remember me. Yeah, I forgot about the offering again. 
Yeah, hit the lights. We're going to need the lights. Give me a hand. One of the one of the kids. Twin, you want to come? All right. I need help because I because I. Uh, okay, Nolan. Cart, you sure? These guys do that to me ever since they were born. I can't tell them apart. Okay. Um, Carter, would you grab those? And you're just going to put a sticky note. on. You won't need it uh, out yet, but uh, you kind of know how this works if, you have, if you've logged any time with us. I've got, uh, well, the first thing we've got to do is to judge the ladies' hats. I don't even know how to do this. Steve, Earl, come on up here and give me a hand because this needs to... Uh, I need somebody to share the blame. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm not really able to wander very far because I, we're on the live feed and, and uh, Jenny needs me or, or Eric needs me to kind of not wander off too far. But um, I, I don't know how to do this except have the ladies with their hats Stand. So, ladies, um, yeah, the ladies who are wearing hats, oh, the little girls too. <laughs> is that Sarah Liz up there with a the hat on? Is that Harper? Yes, it is. Nice hat, Harper. All right. Well, we don't have as many as I thought we did. Why don't, why don't we... Um, yeah, well, I don't even know what the criteria are for this. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're not nominating each other. Okay. Why don't you guys, Earl and Steve, why don't you guys walk around and get a closer look at the ladies' hats? I don't want to march them down here, but uh, I don't know what we're doing. Best hat. Best hat. I know that, that, that's. I know. I didn't want to have a category because then we would have been looking around this morning and already figuring out who had the best hat. So, I. <laughs> All right, if you guys, are you getting a good look at all these hats? 
There's a 12-way a tie, Steve says. Uh, so you got the final judge. Who am I to judge? Yeah. Whose idea was this hat contest anyway? Okay, you're you're not winning. Okay. There are a lot of great hats here. Okay. The winner of uh, this year's hat contest is <laughs> Megan Davis. <laughs> so you guys can sit. Um, Megan, which of these beautiful bouquets would you like to call yours? This one? Okay. Yeah, just put your mind. You can stick the sticky note on the rail next to it, uh, Carter. All right. So I've got a bouquet, a pot, I guess it is. It's not a bouquet. Uh, a pot for three moms and then two grandmas. So grandmas, you are not eligible yet. So this is for moms who are only moms. Um, Everybody knows that mothers are also nurses, doctors, whatever is needed at the moment. And so I want the mother who has the most Band-Aids in her purse. <laughs> the most Band-Aids in your purse. Are there, is there anyone who has a single Band-Aid in your purse? Come on now, work with me. You, say that louder, Katie. A single Band-Aid. Jody has two? Seriously. Okay. I was afraid I'd whiff on this one. Oh. Three up there? Okay. She has, who is that, Jessica? Jessica's got six. Anybody top six? Okay, Jessica, you are the winner. Uh, Jess, do you want to come and look and see which of these uh, pots you want? Look at that hat. We're going to take the prize from Megan. And, and, oh. No. <laughs> okay. Which one do you think? That one's taken. Yep. Okay. That's my favorite. Yeah. Don't take it yet. He'll put your name next to it or on it or some, somehow. And you can get it after, after the show. Because these flowers make me look better when I'm up here. And that's what it's all about, after all. Okay, now I need the mother who most recently purchased 
either a minivan or uh, an SUV to haul the kids around. Could be husband and wife that did it, but she gets the credit. So most recently, a van, a minivan, or an SUV for the family. Okay. All right. Six years ago, Latasha. Five? Okay. Five years for Latasha. Anybody else? Three years? Okay. Is Maggie up there? Oh, it's Rachel. I always think it's Maggie when Rachel's up there. Okay. Maggie's not here because she's got a new baby. But, uh, but you know what, Clint? Maggie's not here. <laughs> Has to be someone on the premises. I'm so sorry. So is that, is that five years, Latasha? Is that it? Katie? You got yours last fall? Okay. Don't be so bashful. Okay, Katie's the winner. Come on. Katie, tell, tell us which one you want. Which one? The yellow? Oh, all yellow. Okay. You can just stick it right on that post there if you want, Carter. Okay. The last one for mom. Can't hardly read my writing. Oh, this is our Johnny Come Lately Award. The mother who was the oldest when she gave birth. Think about it, ladies. How old were you when you last gave birth? And that's the age we're looking for. So any 50-year-old ladies who gave birth uh, when they were 50? 40? 27 for you, Megan? Suzanne, 35? Jody, you were 35. And your, and your youngest is now 18. Oh, my. Okay, 35. Anybody have a baby older than that? Where are you, 36, Lisa? Bless your heart. Okay, 36. Can anybody top 36? Sandy? What? Yeah. Yeah. Preacher's wife gets disqualified anyway. Because everybody would think that she wrote these questions or, or these qualifications. Okay. So who was the last one did we decide? Lisa? Okay, Lisa, you want to take a look at these? Oh, you get to choose. you get to choose which one she gets. There's that one at the end, and these two. Just pick one for. Okay, while he does that, I'm looking for grandmas now. I need the grandma. What? Yeah, just stick it on there. 
I need the grandma who has the biggest purse with her right now. The purse you're carrying today. Grandmas need big purses because grandkids have needs. So only the grandmas now. There's Sandy's purse. Who can beat that? Who's in the running here? Sandy and who else? Is that it, really? Okay. Sandy, which one do you want? Carter, he, Sandy wants the one on my left here all the way at the end. All right. So that leaves um, this pot of, oh, I don't know what those are. Flowers. There are some, uh, some petunias in there, some, uh, what do you call that color? I don't even know the colors. I don't know the flowers. I don't know the colors. So I'm looking for the grandma who has the most quarters in her purse. The grandma with the most quarters. These kids are always needing money. Can't buy anything with a quarter, I know. Grandma with the most quarters. Check it out, grannies. You think both of them? Okay, Karen's counting, Anna's counting, Cheryl's counting. All the grannies are counting. She better not have any of my quarters. Those are my quarters. I have six in her purse. Thirteen for Karen. Top thirteen. Thirteen going once. Thirteen going twice. So, all right. Karen Herendine. All right. Good job, Carter. Thanks, buddy. All right, you kids. Beat it. Bye, honey. Probably should have done this uh, before we dismiss the kids, but let's have all of our mothers and grandmothers stand. I want to have a special prayer for all of you. Go ahead and stand, ladies. Almighty Heavenly Father, we thank you that out of your deep love for us, 
you gave us mothers and grandmothers, great-grandmothers. You gave us these women to love us, to nurture us, to pour their goodness into our lives and into our hearts. Lord, we want to lift up all of these ladies who have already given so much. And Lord, as they still have however many years respectively that they have left on this earth, we pray that you would anoint their lives and help them to become even better, even more loving, even more compassionate, even more of all of the qualities that you built into them, Lord. We pray that children and grandchildren would be blessed beyond measure because of their character. Lord, hold them each within your hand. Love them as they have loved us and help them to know that the God of the universe had a, a very special purpose for them and that that purpose continues today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The other day, I was working in my basement. I was getting all of my tax stuff ready for my accountant. I know what you're thinking. It's about time, Dale. Yes, I've never been this late. But the deadline, I don't know if it's ever been this late either. And so... Uh, I was working on my tax stuff, and I, I, it was quiet in the house. Lisa wasn't there. Nobody was there. We don't even have a cat anymore, and it was quiet, and I turned my Bose radio on in the basement. I was going to listen to some music. For you kids, a radio is an electronic box that picks up signals out of the air. I don't know how it happens. It's magical. And you can listen to music and people talk, and it's great. Anyway, y'all know that I'm not a, a fan of country music, but the only station that I could get in the basement with the poor reception was 106.7 out of Angola, which is old school country. It's not just country, it's old school country. Anyway, Dolly Parton came on singing about her coat of many colors. You old timers know the story, but for the kids, here it is in a nutshell. She was one of 12 kids at home in the holler, probably Kentucky. And her mom worked long and hard making her a coat because she needed a, a warm coat. She was making it out of scraps of colorful material. And Dolly was nine years old, and she knew how much love and effort went into that coat, and she was as proud as can be when it was finished. But when she wore it to school to show it off, the other kids made fun of her because it was made out of scraps. But all of their mocking and making fun couldn't dampen the pride that she had. Her dear godly mother had worked so hard to show Dolly how much she loved her that coat became the inspiration for the song that became Dolly Parton's signature recording. And it also played a big part in her inheriting her faith in the God that was so important to her mother. 
The influence of a godly mother is a powerful thing. In the first century, of course, women played a a very underestimated role that was often overlooked in comparison with that of men. Everything revolved about the men in that time. The Apostle Paul wrote about his upbringing in Tarsus of Cilicia. He wrote about his education in Jerusalem. He wrote about his studies under the Rabbi Gamaliel. And Paul refers vaguely to his ancestors, but never once does he make mention of his mother or his father for that matter. But the Apostle Paul does make mention of two mothers who made a major impact on millions and millions of lives. We'll be in Paul's second letter to Timothy today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the letter we all call 2 Timothy chapter 1 is where we're going to begin. I'll be reading in chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. Paul says, to Timothy, my dear son, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Now, Timothy was a young man who was mentored by Paul. He took him under his wing. Timothy traveled with Paul and his companion Silas as they did their work around what we call Asia Minor. In fact, Timothy, at one point, was assigned to remain with the church in Ephesus to be their preacher and to help them to mature. Timothy became like a son to Paul. In fact, Paul says he constantly remembers this young man in prayer. He remembers that Timothy was in prayer when Paul left Ephesus. And Paul wants to see this young man who has filled him with so much joy. We're going to look at three motherly relationships that made a huge impact on the first century church. The first relationship is found in a mother and her daughter. Look at verse 5 again in that passage that we just read, 1 Timothy 1. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Timothy's faith began with a mother and her daughter. Of course, those women were Timothy's grandmother Lois and her daughter Eunice. And when we trace Paul's activities from the book of Acts, we read about his three missionary journeys. During the first of these road trips, he and Barnabas traveled through Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, preaching the gospel. And as they did, they won so many converts that they established new churches at the same time. In Acts 14, they visited Lystra. 
and healed a lame man. And the, the ignorant pagans who were there saw the, this healing and they were moved to worship these men who performed this healing. Of course, Paul and Barnabas stopped them from worshiping them, but a mob of Jews turned around and stoned Paul and left him for dead. But this woman, Lois, became one of the early converts there at Lystra, and she was one of a core of believers in that church. Paul and Barnabas went to the neighboring town of Derbe, but then it says in Acts 14, 21 through 23, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So Timothy's grandmother was part of that church in Lystra and she had heard the preaching of Paul and the ministry of Barnabas. She was under the umbrella of those elders that were appointed in the church and her daughter Eunice adopted the same faith that Lois had. Now maybe it's too great of an assumption to imagine that the church in Lystra passed this faith on to Lois and that she actually passed her sincere faith on to her daughter, for all we know. Uh, Eunice may have come to her faith at the same time that Lois did. But Paul does say that it first lived in Grandma Lois. I think one of the best memories my kids have from their childhood is the time they spent with their in-laws up on the shore of Lake Huron in Detour Village, Michigan. Frank and Gladys were running a vacation Bible school at the church building next door, and they decided that they wanted to have their eight grandchildren spend that week with them and attend the, the VBS program. Shay is my oldest, and he and his cousin Tara, who's the same age, helped to wrangle the younger kids, and it has become one of the best memories of all the kids' childhood. They still quote from the lessons their grandma Glad taught them that summer. A godly grandmother can have an amazing impact on those that follow, whether it's her grandchildren or her own children. Years ago, a survey was taken in a selection of colleges and universities, and one of the questions that was asked was, what is the most beautiful word in the English language to you? 80% of those students responded with mother and mom. Whether daughters will admit it or not, as the years pass, women become more and more like their moms. Haven't you seen it? It's truly true. Or they become like the most significant woman 
in their lives. I know that I owe a huge debt to my mother-in-law for handing on a, a, a wife like my wife to me. Her mom had such a big part in who she became. There was a second motherly relationship that impacted the world, and that was a mother and her son. A mother and her son. Obviously, I'm talking about Eunice and Timothy. If only Eunice would have known the role that her son would play in assisting the Apostle Paul to bring the gospel to the Gentile, the non-Jewish world. She had no idea that 2,000 years later, we would be talking about her and her son. Think about that, that we're talking about her now, we Gentiles. It was because of her son and her faith. She made a difference to the world in two ways. First, she passed along faith. In 2 Timothy 1.5, again, I read it before, I'll read it again. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. The saving faith that began with Lois continued with Eunice and it was passed along to Timothy. Abraham Lincoln once said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. Now, the obvious question that you may be thinking about is, where was Timothy's father? Well, during Paul's second missionary journey with Silas as his companion... They visited the churches in Asia Minor to see how they were doing. And we read about that in Acts 16. In verses 1 and 2 there, we're told Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well. Of him, that is Timothy. They spoke well of Timothy. And so it appears that at some time in the past, Eunice had married outside of her Jewish faith. Her husband is called a Greek here, but that's just a euphemism for a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew, and they called everybody who wasn't a Jew a Greek, even though they might not have been of Greek extraction. But he was a Gentile. Now, it's possible that Eunice's husband had chosen to follow Christ, but we are never told that he did. And if he was a Christian, it seems likely that more would have been said about him if he had been. By this time, Timothy was now a young man, and he has the faith of his mother and grandmother. And Paul apparently hears good reports about this kid. And he liked to take him along on his missionary journey. If Eunice had not passed along her faith to her son, Paul would never have taken Timothy along with him. It's doubtful that he would have learned how to preach the gospel. It's very likely that the New Testament would have a very different look to it today without two letters to Timothy. 
if Timothy hadn't preached at the church at Ephesus, which resulted in the letter written to the Ephesian church. But Eunice didn't just pass along faith to her son. She passed along knowledge. Toward the end of this letter, 2 Timothy, Paul warns Timothy about the persecution and the moral disintegration that is coming. And look at what Paul says to him in chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. He says, but as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. From infancy, Timothy had learned the scriptures. Eunice had taught her son about the word of God. She had taught her son about the character of God. She had taught Timothy about the will of God. She had passed along her knowledge. But you know, a saving relationship with Christ was something he had to choose. She couldn't choose it for him. Grandma couldn't choose it for him. He had to make that decision on his own. And that's why in verse 15, Paul says to Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, that's what a godly parent does. In Timothy's case, the godly parent was his mother. She passed along knowledge of God's son, Jesus Christ. And Timothy surrendered himself for salvation. I don't know if you know it or not, but the actual name for the Statue of Liberty is Liberty Enlightening the World. Did you know that? I did not know it. Liberty Enlightening the World is the official name of the Statue of Liberty. It has been one of the most recognizable symbols of our nation since it was given as a gift from the nation of France to the United States over 100 years ago. A famous sculptor named Bartholdi believed so strongly in this project that when the donations ran short, he pledged his own private fortune to see it through to the end. He nearly impoverished himself by the time it was finished. At the start, Bartholdi looked for a model that he felt would best symbolize the purity and strength that he wanted this work of art to portray. He considered many of the outstanding heroines, the women of his day. But at last, he chose his own mother as the model of his masterpiece. In Proverbs 31:28, King Lemuel says about the wife of noble character, her children arise and call her blessed. And then there's a third motherly relationship that Paul refers to that has impacted the world, and that's a mother and her others. A mother and her others. Over in Titus chapter 2, Titus is right after 2 Timothy. In Titus chapter 2, 
verses 3 through 5, Paul tells Titus, another young protege of his, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Now, we should not ignore what Paul says about the influence of spiritual mothers to other women. In the same way that Paul calls Timothy my true son in the faith, young women in the church need the godly influence of older, more mature women. Do you remember reading or hearing the story of how Jesus had been teaching and preaching and healing And somebody came in the middle of it all and told Jesus that his mother and his brothers were outside waiting to speak to him. And in Matthew 12, 48 and 49, it says, he replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Jesus was laying the groundwork for the principle that discipling others creates spiritual family. Those that Jesus was teaching had become his mother and his brothers. They had become what he considered to be his true family. Now, I don't want to suggest that Jesus was minimizing our relationships with unsaved family members. But we know from John 7 that Jesus' brothers didn't believe he was the Messiah, God's son. Jesus was giving preference to those he was teaching who were actually doing the will of God. Do you remember early in Jesus' ministry, he was gathering disciples to follow him? In Matthew 8, Verses 21 and 22, it says, Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. You know, let me interject here to say, this seems like a reasonable request, doesn't it? His dad had just died. He wanted to go to the funeral for his dad. And we continue to read, but Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Sounds kind of hard, doesn't it? That's what Jesus did. He spoke some hard things. What was Jesus saying there? Well, at the very least, he was saying, don't let your allegiance to your earthly family keep you from joining God's spiritual family. That's what this guy was doing. He was procrastinating. He was putting Jesus off. It's dangerous to do that for the sake of your earthly family. But more to the point of today's message, Christian women need spiritual moms. Ladies, you can influence lives beyond your four walls as spiritual mothers. Your reaching out to younger women can strengthen the church. 
That passage in Titus 2 outlines the things young women need to know. How to love their husbands. How to love their children. How to be self-controlled and pure and busy at home and kind and submitted. These are things that the world is not going to teach them. Down through the years, I've seen so many women who reach an age when their kids leave home. The empty nesters. And all of a sudden, they drop out of ministry. They drop out of the things that they were doing in the church because, hey, my kids have grown up and they're out. Let somebody else do it. What's ironic is that they've reached the age that they have more time, more experience, more opportunity, and more wisdom, but they drop out of things. We need mothers in the church to mother spiritual daughters. And we need mothers out in the neighborhoods. Out where you live, there are broken homes and dysfunctional homes. Kids think their bent and broken lives are normal. That the environment in their home, which is so disjointed and irregular, they think that's just normal. Well, it might be normal by the world's standards, but not by God's. And God has a, a pattern that he has approved. Did you ever think that your homes could be like an oasis in the desert for some kid? Where a kid sees love and kindness in the home? Where a man and woman really treat one another with genuine affection? Where people respect each other without ridiculing them? where a kid can see that maybe there can be something better in his future. Let's apply this message in this coming week. I want to encourage you ladies to teach your kids the scriptures from infancy. I've got to confess, I don't know that I spent a whole lot of time actually teaching my kids the scriptures. I mean, I, I was so involved with the ministry and the church and uh, the things I was involved in. I mean, we, we prayed and we quoted scripture when it was appropriate. We saw that the kids were in church and in Sunday school. One of the greatest things that contributed to our kids growing up in the knowledge of the faith was a series that you probably, I don't know if you can get them anymore. It was a VHS series that old Dwight Siebert, some of you remember Dwight Siebert, and uh, he had purchased these VHS tapes entitled Superbook and The Flying House. I think they were made by the same people. They had that same nasty Japanese artwork. Uh, and they, and it was a similar premise. Both the super book and the flying house were time machines that traveled back to Bible times and visited Jesus and the Apostle Paul and, and James and John in those Bible stories, and they played them out. And it is no exaggeration when I tell you my kids watched those videos literally hundreds of times. They played them over and over and over. 
We don't let them watch anything else, but that, that was, no, that's not true. That's not true. And uh, my kids learned their Bible that way. And uh, old Violet Patti over at the Butler Church of Christ, she used to marvel that those kids knew so much. It wasn't because dad taught them. It was because of Superbook and Flying House. I don't know if you can get resources like that. I think you can. They're out there, and you can get them on your phone or your, your personal computer. But teach your kids the scriptures from infancy. And live out your faith every day, parents. Your kids see that, and there is no louder voice in their lives to teach them how to live the Christian life than your example. Not your words. Don't be mistaken. Not your words, not your lectures, not your uh, Sunday behavior. It's your Monday through Saturday behavior that speaks the loudest. And then thirdly, ladies, mother the others. The older ladies, you can mother the younger moms and singles. Younger ladies, you can have a ministry in your home and model godliness to your kids' friends. To close, I want to share, a, it's not really a poem, but a, a, a writing that comes from John Killinger's book. And he includes this tribute to the love of a godly mother. He says, I believe in Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who was born of the promise to a virgin named Mary. I believe in the love Mary gave her son that caused her to follow him in his ministry and stand by his cross as he died. I believe in the love of all mothers and its importance in the lives of the children they bear. It is stronger than steel, softer than down and more resilient than a green sapling on the hillside. It closes wounds, melts disappointments, and enables the weakest child to stand tall and straight in the fields of adversity. I believe that this love, even at its best, is only a shadow of the love of God, a dark reflection of all that we can expect of him, both in this life and the next. And I believe that one of the most beautiful sights in the world is a mother who lets this greater love flow through her to her child, blessing the world with the tenderness of her touch and the tears of her joy. God bless you, moms. God bless you, grandmothers and great-grandmothers. Maybe you had a mother or a grandmother who spoke to you and you saw her example of godliness. Maybe you didn't. Maybe there was no spiritual influence in your home. It really doesn't matter. What does matter is that we become part of the spiritual family of Jesus Christ. And that can happen for anyone who's willing to turn their lives over to Jesus Christ, to repent of their sins and to determine that they're, they're going to allow Jesus to call the shots in their life, make him Lord and master, and then he'll become your savior. 
If you have a decision to make along those lines, our tradition is we sing an invitation song. And those who have a decision come down the aisle and we pray with them to get started in a relationship with Jesus. And we're going to do that here. We're going to sing just as I am. And if you have a decision to make for the first time to allow Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you can do that at this time. So uh, let's stand and let's sing just as I am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. We're just going to sing that first verse. Oh, God, we praise you once again for the moms that poured so much of their love into our lives. Lord, we thank you that we learned so many of the things that are valuable in life from our mothers. Lord, we pray that you'd, you'd help us to take the best of what they taught us and to incorporate it into our lives and to use it, model it, to pass it on to the next generation so that there continues to be a, a generation of God-fearing believers in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would use us by helping us to manifest, to make known that those qualities and characteristics that are so precious. Lord, we thank you for our moms and our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers. Once again, Lord, bless them. Keep your hand upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, want to remind all of you, we, uh, I've got an online prayer service tomorrow at 4.30, every Monday at 4.30. Um, do want to re also remind us that May 30th is graduation Sunday for uh, Eastside High School. Don't know about the other schools, but uh, East, we do have some Eastside grads, and uh, they graduate on the 30th. And... Ladies, all of you moms and grandmothers, we have a little gift for you. I failed to mention that earlier, but um, those there are some small plants there, and you're welcome to choose the one of uh, whichever one you like best. Please don't kill each other uh, going for the, the flower table. Um, if if you. Uh, if you approach from here, maybe you can pick your flower and then exit between the first and second row so we don't have a big bottleneck there. But uh, there are some paper towels there. there uh, those little pots do have potting soil on them and around them, so you can wrap them in a paper towel. But that's our, a token of our appreciation to all of you. So uh, help yourselves, 
And uh, we're going to sing our closing chorus for the month, and then we'll be dismissed. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the and life is worth the living just because he lived. All right, then God bless you. Have a great week.